0: Players have been celebrating touchdowns more than ever. But you know what I want to see? I want kickers and punters to celebrate. Imagine a kicker nailing an extra point, and the kicker celebrates by taking his cleats off, putting them on his hands. He does a handstand. He begins to tap dance, run on his hands toward the long snapper, and hands the long snapper a pack of skittles. The long snapper then snaps a single skittle to the kicker, and the kicker flicks the skittle to the uprights. That's what I want to see. Skittles. Podcast the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. football podcast on the ringer nfl show on the ringer podcast network my name is danny heifetz and i am joined as always by my co-host and my co-danny the hero we need and the analyst we deserve the dark knight himself danny kelly i already know what is on your mind danny which is the third co-host of the danny C football podcast danny jones Our Lord and Savior. (laughs) Have you bowed down yet,
1: Danny Kelly? Uh, Danny Dimes. I'm all in on Danny Dimes from here on out. I told you, I think, last week, I'm rooting for him. I think that was really fun to see. I was really low on him coming into the draft, as were almost everyone. I think it's a fascinating story how he's kind of outplayed expectations by uh, infinity. Um, So, yeah, I'm all in on Danny Dimes. It's a lot of fun. I also really like the Danny Dimes nickname, even though I think a lot of people are kind of down on that nickname.
0: I felt like I was experiencing God and a higher co- a higher power. <laughs> I,
1: saw, I saw that video. I think The Ringer posted a video on their Twitter of you just freaking out and hitting the
2: wall. I went to hit in.
0: the wall, and then I realized that I was going to punch a hole in the office wall and that there was not a stud there. And I was like, oh, I'm actually going to break this wall. You know, Pulling
2: an Andy Bernard. Yeah,
0: so I ended up boxing it like a James Harden and Russell Westbrook in that video where I'm just like lightly tapping, and I'm like,
1: oh, shit. I didn't know they were recording. So that was probably really fun for you, even though Saquon got hurt.
0: I, you know what? Look, in light like that there is darkness, but if Saquon was <laughs> still happy enough that he was out there jogging on his crutches, like if Saquon's happy, I'm going to be happy. There so that was amazing. Like it's really paradoxical, but the game that Saquon Barkley got hurt was the most optimistic and hope bringing Giants game <laughs> there's been.
1: Yeah,
0: maybe in three years is unbelievable. Uh, is crazy
1: tells you the power of a good quarterback, right? Like. They can change everything for a franchise. So
0: I mean, I'm just just, thank
1: God we don't have to watch Eli Manning anymore. I mean, main thing.
0: We look. This was the one of the week. Obviously, I hope for everyone in America. This was the (laughs) thing that made them go right this week. Yeah, but I mean, this was the one of the week. I mean, the numbers honestly are startling. He he went 23 of 36 for 336 passing yards, two touchdowns on the air, ran another two touchdowns in, four rushes for 28 yards. I joked. Last week, that he would have more rushing yards than Saquon, which did happen, obviously, in horrible circumstances. Um, <laughs> so, I'm not going to take a victory lap on my crutches for that, but I do want to know he has 34.2 fantasy points, which is more than Baker has on the season.
1: Yeah. Amazing. That's like the best dunk you can imagine, especially because of like the thing that came out before the year where Baker was all like flabbergasted. They took him, right?
0: How bad do you feel if you're a Cardinals fan and they drafted Kyler Murray ahead of? Daniel Jones. That must be the worst <laughs> feeling in the world. Uh, that's just uh, I'm not
1: going that far. I'm not going that far. I love Kyler Murray. I think that's still still it's a good entitled, choice there. But, I feel so uh, yeah. bad for
0: them.
2: I, have a, uh, I got a fun Daniel Jones stat for you guys. Yeah, They're all fun day stats, but keep going. Okay. Career 35-point fantasy football games. Daniel Jones, one. Eli Manning, one. <laughs> games played. Eli Manning, 234. Daniel Jones, one. <laughs> Dude, this kid,
0: this kid is my favorite goober of a. Oh my god, I I am
1: so in. Let's talk about this though for real because he looked incredible. Not only because he changes the dynamic of you know the team's passing game, his ability to run, his ability to keep defenses honest with his legs, which Eli absolutely did not have. Um, but he was like really good, just sitting back in the pocket and picking like the bucks apart. He was under pressure on 47% of his dropbacks per established runs, Pat Thorman, and he completed 80% of his pressured attempts, 233 yards, two touchdowns, and a perfect 158 pass rating on those plays, which is absolutely unheard of for any quarterback. So, I mean, that was pretty awesome. Like, his touchdown pass to Sterling Shepard was into double coverage off, like, his back foot in the face of pressure and, like, put in the exact perfect spot, so... There's a lot to work with there. I mean, there's, I think it changes the fantasy outlooks for basically all the skill position players in the offense, especially compared with the fact that, or especially combined with the fact that Saquon went down. So I think they're going to lean on the passing game a lot more now. So yeah, I mean, it makes, it makes Sterling Shepard a bigger factor, Evan Ingram. I think Golden Tate is a guy that you want to go buy right now, you know, because he's coming back in two weeks. And so... I just think it's a lot of fun. I mean, it makes the, it's like adding a whole new team to the fantasy landscape that we really just didn't care about before.
0: Have you ever been so drunk it seemed like things were moving?
1: That's Probably, how it felt, yeah. because
0: yeah. for 15 years, I'd seen Eli Manning stand in the pocket like a statue. But at least statues move with the rotation of the earth, and Eli's just still <laughs> bolted to the core. And then when Daniel Jones started running, I just thought I was seeing things. And no, it's just, that's it's beautiful.
1: Who would you compare Daniel Jones to stylistically as a quarterback? I, I, I saw some. Josh. have uh, been, Yeah, I made the Josh Allen comparison. I think it's a little different, obviously, but his ability to run, I think, is what makes that very similar. Anyone else kind of stand out to you? Carson Wentz? I was going to say uh, Brett that's Favre.
0: Interesting. Pat. I mean, really, it's Patrick Mahomes. That's who he reminds me of.
2: Daniel Heifetz, I have a question <laughs> for Daniel you. Daniel McJones. God. That's who I think. He's Daniel McJones. Hey, right now, Mr. Heifetz, would you trade Daniel Jones for Kyler Murray? No. He's my guy. This is my I wouldn't I, no. Okay
0: I wouldn't trade him for Patrick Mahomes. He's mine. That's stupid. That's he's really my, dumb. He's mine. That's the dumbest thing. He's, he's my
2: ever said. guy. Well that was this week's hot take <laughs> he's of the week. Mine.
1: <laughs> you you wouldn't understand. Fandom is a hell of a job. You know, drug, what I wouldn't man, deal with so. for
0: Mason Rudolph. So settle down over there, Craig. <laughs> okay, uh, let's. We're, we're. I. You know what? I, we have to move on, but I do want to quickly note that on Fridays, we Friday we did mention that we were fading birds in general because a third of the bird population North America has declined. And then Craig did, did say try to tell the, you. Yes, Craig said fade the bird teams, and then maybe the best prediction we'll ever have: all the bird teams lost. <laughs> <laughs> the Falcons, Eagles, Cardinals, Seahawks, and Ravens all lost.
2: So, (laughs) just saying, people need to listen to me more.
0: (laughs) I gotta be honest, I don't know if we'll ever have a better prediction on this podcast. That was like
1: a, yeah, that was an epic call. That was incredible.
0: I'm upset I didn't parlay (laughs) that. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) Fade the birds. Um, (laughs) All right. The last, uh, Keenan, I guess we're going to normal stuff now. Keenan Allen, uh, big day.
1: You have to, we have to acknowledge the fact that Keenan Allen is just having an absolutely absurd season so far. He's leading the NFL in receptions 29. Receiving yards, 404, and he has three TDs. He's on pace for 154 catches, 2,154 yards, and 16 touchdowns. So uh, just keep that in mind. Obviously, he's probably not going to keep that up all year, but he is just playing out of his mind right now. I
0: also just have to note that if you saw any of his highlights in this game or Austin Eckler, that looked like a high school game because they still had the LA Galaxy markings on the field, but then combined with the blue line for the first down, it looked like there was like the field hockey lines and the lacrosse lines and everything on the field. It What's was more embarrassing, that or that the Raiders play on a baseball field? I think it's more embarrassing that the Raiders went for a preseason game in Canada because they hate playing on the field during base- baseball season, and then they showed up to Canada and the field was so bad they had to play a 90-yard football game. I think that oh was God, more I embarrassing. I forgot about that. They yeah, literally that awesome. did that. The under undertold part of that story was they did that to not play at their own stadium. So <laughs> anyway, let's go. Next segment, next man up. Uh, injuries happen every week. We're going to run through the most fantasy relevant ones and who's going to replace those guys. Usual caveats apply here. We're doing this on Monday afternoon, so we're not covering Monday Night Football with Washington or Chicago no offense to those fans, but I'm, I'm really happy. We don't have to think about those teams yeah. um, for right now. It's, those are two. And then <laughs> hit us up on Twitter or in the Ringer NFL Show Facebook group if anything happens on Monday Night Football. But for now, I think the all, the biggest only news th- that truly matters this week, Saquon Barkley, my, my dear yeah. beloved, running back for the Giants, high ankle sprain, had an MRI on Monday, confirmed it. Four to six weeks he'll be out. He told the he had a similar injury freshman year at Penn State that cost them two games, but he will be out more than two games. Uh, He had finished with eight carries for 10 rushing yards. He was replaced by Wayne Gallman, who had five carries for 13 yards. Um, Giants don't have good running backs behind him. Gallman, no. Gallman's cool, but, like, not Saquon. So, DK, would you advise—I mean, people can pick up Wayne Gallman, but, DK, yeah. would you advise the people picking him up to temper their expectations?
1: Yeah, certainly. I think, obviously, Gallman is not Saquon Barkley. He's not going to create— what Saquon was able to create behind that offensive line. I mean, Saquon has a is a home run hitter, he's a tackle breaker, he's a creator in the open field, he's a receiver. Gallman is not all of those things. It's I think if you're picking up Gallman, you could think of him as like a flex option on on bye week type thing. He's, you know, I think that the the offense, the Giants offense is probably going to just transfer its strategy around Daniel Jones's arm. And and it's just like if you look like I bet you when Golden Tate comes in, he's gonna be pl- he's gonna be doing plays that are in effect run plays like screen passes, sweeps, end arounds, things like that where they get him in space. They use his ability to break tackles and do things in space. Um, I just wouldn't expect a whole lot from this run game with Gallman, and so um, he's definitely worth an ad. And it will be interesting to see if the Giants actually pick up another running back off the free agent market or something, or a- off a practice squad. Because they just don't have really anyone. They have I think Elijah Penny's the only other guy behind him right now. So um my favorite my favorite conspiracy theory is some they should go out and trade for Mike Boone. my my guy Mike. I love
0: Mike Boone.
1: <laughs> Imagine what he would look like Viking, he, as a starter. Well, yeah, he's
0: the Viking who's fallen to third He's star. the
1: that, pre preseason we, superstar Mike Boone. Yeah.
0: That's you know who else is a preseason superstar? Daniel Jones, the real Elijah of the New York Giants. <laughs> um Moving on, Carolina, uh, another team with their backup quarterback that has become the starter. Cam Newton has already been ruled out for Houston in week four. Head coach Ron Rivera says there is no timetable for Cam's return. Uh, there's also been reports that the Kyle Allen playing so well against the Cardinals this week kind of made it easier for Cam to accept that he should be out for, at length. Uh, he's got a mm-hmm. foot injury. It's been bothering him since the preseason. Kyle Allen played really well. 261 passing yards, four touchdowns on
2: 26 attempts. Uh... Craig, you got a a fun Kyle Allen fact? Another fun fact coming at y'all. Okay, (laughs) Panthers starting quarterbacks in the last six games. Cam Newton, zero TDs. Next game, Cam Newton, zero TDs. Next game, Kyle Allen, which is the last game of the year last year, two TDs. This year, Cam Newton, game one, zero TDs. Cam Newton, game two, zero TDs. Kyle (laughs) Allen, game three, four TDs. So this is worth discussing. I don't think
0: (laughs) this is worth discussing. Two quarterback leagues, Kyle Allen, you have to add him. One quarterback league's. You can, but I don't, you know, if you want to stream him and you have one of those people's hurt, it's a good pick. But I think the more important aspect there is something Cam Newton mentioned or told in a lengthy interview with Peter King of NBC that basically he was playing through injuries because he thought that was his job. He was not healthy with his shoulder. This was like the worst kept secret in football was that he was not able to throw deep. It just really affected him. He wasn't healthy. Rehabbed. It was like this whole crazy thing this offseason when someone got like cell phone footage of him throwing and then finally gets what we think is healthy, has this foot injury, which is not helpful to your shoulder, uh, especially when your is coming from your legs. So Cam taking a step back and not saying he has to play through injury. Like we, Kevin and Mays talked about the Panthers at length. We don't do too much, but I think it's important to note we've not seen healthy Cam in a long time. And so my point here, it's not that the Panthers' quarterbacks are super relevant for fantasy, but that Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore yeah. and guys who played well this week, if their owners were kind of not know what to do with them, I'm I'm down for like actually trading for those dudes because I think that offense with now a healthy quarterback until like, you know, the Cardinals don't have the best defense, but I really like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and McCaffrey, obviously, but.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that at at worst, it just makes them not, it, it doesn't, it makes you so you don't have to take them off your starting lineup or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I still am confident starting uh, Curtis Samuel who in fact might actually be better off with Allen just because he is their sort of speedy deep threat he's been really good at getting open deep and Allen who is not you know worried about his shoulder injury can push the ball downfield a little bit do do a little bit more in north turners like vertical offense so we didn't see a ton of that last week but in theory that's kind of like you know a potential advantage going forward
0: right, next up we got the Chiefs running back situation this is <laughs> this is muddled this is beyond muddled but um just so we keep track we're going to do a glossary first There are four running backs to keep track of in this backfield. Yeah, Um, There's Damian Williams, who looked like the best of the bunch at the end of last season and then missed this game with a knee injury and was reportedly limping at the end of last week. There's Daryl Williams, who is the third string guy, who looked good last year, but pretty good on Sunday with nine rushes for 62 rushing yards against Baltimore. Also had five catches, for 47 receiving yards, so more than 100 total yards there. Then there's LaShawn McCoy, who looked great. He had... Uh, but he entered was questionable with an ankle injury left with an ankle injury, but he had 54 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown added 26 receiving yards and a, and a receiving touchdown. Uh, and then there's rookie Darwin Thompson, who is the sixth rounder that kind of was beloved in the preseason, but definitely does not have the trust of the coaching staff yet. I think that they don't trust him to pass block and do a bunch of, I keep saying the little things about like Devin Singletary and yeah. Buffalo. I think it's very similar to him. He's just not a veteran like these other three guys and Patrick Mahomes got to be protected. So DK, what do you do with the Chiefs' backfield? There's four dudes now. Like, I feel like four of yeah. them are either owned or going to be owned. People might not have Darryl Williams. What the hell do you do?
1: Well, I mean, it's funny this week because there were reports before the game that Daryl Williams was the number one. They had Darwin Thompson running behind him, and then LeSean McCoy like a distant third, which I'm sure affected a lot of starting lineups this week. And I took a leap of faith and started Darwin Thompson in one of my leagues, and I immediately regretted it because he didn't even get in, I think, till like the fourth quarter. Um, he is he's securely fourth string right now. And I think it would take Damian Williams and one of Daryl Williams and LaShawn McCoy being out for him to have a major impact unless they're just, like, trolling everyone in fantasy football, which is certainly pos- possible. But I say Damian, Daryl, and LaShawn are all worth picking up and owning in fantasy football. Um, Darwin, at this point, is more of, like, a dynasty stash to me because he just, I, like you said, he... In a situation where he could have certainly, like, it would have made total sense for them to go to the rookie, they didn't at all. Like McCoy was hobbling into the into the stadium. There was some video of him coming into the stadium before the game where he was just limping badly. So, I mean, the fact that he played through that and looked pretty solid, you know, I, I just think there's no there's no real reason to believe that right now Thompson's going to have a big factor or be a big factor in that offense. So that's to me the biggest takeaway. Otherwise, those three guys are worth you know, having on your roster based on how injuries play out.
0: Yeah, and obviously you have to monitor practice reports. Friday practice reports are a huge deal. So if LaShawn McCoy is playing on Friday, probably a good bet to play. But if, let's say McCoy and William, uh, let's say Williams is not playing, but McCoy is, would you still play Daryl Williams this week?
1: Yeah. In fact, Daryl Williams ended up being like the lead back, quote unquote lead back. He paced everyone with 55% snap share. McCoy played thirty seven percent of snaps. He actually got more. Obviously, he got more production with with the two touchdowns. But Daryl Williams was sort of the starter, so um, or at least he was the guy who who paced that that backfield. I think, so yeah, I think, I think he's definitely worth having.
0: Yeah, he had the majority of the snaps, which is ultimately what we care about. Uh, I I think okay. Full disclosure: Craig and I actually swapped McCoy out of our lineup at like twelve fifty eight, twelve fifty nine. Yeah, but yeah. I, Love it. We, we we got we got MVS in there, so we're fine. Should we should we trade uh, LeSean McCoy to Bill, who has Damian Williams?
2: Yeah, Bill loves Chiefs running backs.
0: All right, we'll discuss <laughs> that all fair. Uh, speaking of the Pats, uh, Julian Edelman, slot receiver for the Patriots, he left with a ribs injury. He's expected to be okay. Uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL yeah. Network reported that Edelman he'll be good. Uh, <laughs> um, it seemed like he could have came back if this was the Super Bowl, but it was the Jets and they were up a lot and. It seems like he's all right. Jacoby Myers would handle the slot if Edelman missed time, but it, I, I would be a little surprised if this was significant. Josh yeah. Gordon also had a finger injury; he left, got a tape, rendered the game. Also seems fine. Philip Dorsett's the real notable person here. I mean, he played seventy-seven, or sorry, seventy of seventy-six snaps. Um, got another touchdown. He has this like remarkable stretch. He, of he's caught all but one of his targets from Brady this season, so he's been great. Yeah. But DK, do you like Dorsett as an ad?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Dorsett was a guy that we were fading when they picked up Antonio Brown. Now that Brown is gone, he has a much bigger, like, spot role in that offense. We, he's been really, really efficient with his, you know, snaps and targets and all that. I think he is definitely a guy that's worth having on your roster. The Patriots are sort of hard to predict and how the targets are going to be distributed every week, but it's him, it's him, Gordon, um, obviously Edelman, and then, you know, they're going to work Jacoby Myers in a little bit, but, um, yeah, with with Brown gone, I think that puts Dorsett back on the map for sure.
2: Only
0: 32% owned in Yahoo leagues. And going to say he's only yeah. 26 years old. He's one of those dudes who seems like a lot older. Former
1: first rounder too. I mean, he he had like that talent. He was a, he was a deep, you know, deep threat and I actually remember really liking him in the pre-snap or in the pre-draft process. He didn't he didn't work out with the Colts clearly, but it's not like he's it's not like he's some random undrafted dude.
0: Well, speaking of dudes who worked out with the Colts, uh TY Hilton aggravated an existing quad injury. He actually kept playing. He's uh, caught a touchdown two plays later, but left the game. He said, quote, I he went in with an at uh, quad injury and then said, quote, I kind of re-injured it. I, I kind of felt it. I wanted to keep playing because I knew I wouldn't be able to come out in the second half. Uh, Steven Holder for the athletic reported that senior staff, uh, damn it. Can't speak English. Senior staff writer for the <laughs> athletic, Steven Holder reported that the Colts didn't let him play because they were worried that he would tear his quad. Yikes. Uh, that's tough. Yeah. So DK, what do you want to do about if you have someone, T.Y. Hilton, or just you need a receiver? Who do you like if T.Y. Hilton misses time or just is hobbled?
1: I mean, it, it's really tough to know. I think it's exciting to think about what Paris Campbell could do in that role. Obviously, he is not, you know, experienced. He, in college, was mostly just a short, like, around the line of scrimmage threat. I think he has the potential to be a deep threat. You know, he has the speed, certainly. Um, and his snaps have gone up. So he's a guy to potentially just add and stash and see how things go. Deion Cain, Zach Pascal, are other, you know, potential guys that could step into a bigger role with this injury. Um, ultimately, though, I think if anything, it just boosts Doyle and Ebron. I think they're, they'll probably work their tight ends into the passing game a lot more. I think it probably boosts Naheem Hines, who might get more looks out of the backfield as a, a pass catcher, and, and uh, Marlon Mack, who's been a pass catcher for them as well out of the backfield. So um ultimately I think if anything it probably boosts Doyle and Ebron the most. And now it's interesting though cuz the Colts are now missing Hilton and uh Funches, Funches who they added in the offseason. So yeah, I mean they're down to kind of like you know third-string guys like their lead guy at the receiver position. So it's it's it, it definitely hurts them.
0: Not a single one of those guys gets my blood going. Uh I got to be honest with you. I think that yeah. that's an example of if you have T.Y. Hilton, then maybe you'd go elsewhere. Uh, inj- and then elsewhere, the injuries, I think uh, tight end Vance mcdonald Sorry, not M- Vance McDollar, Uh Vance McMenny Dollars. <laughs> Vance McDonald uh, had a shoulder injury. Uh, I mean, he's had a pretty quiet year. That was a pretty quiet game for the Steelers, yeah. honestly. I think the, One
1: catch, 10 yards.
0: Uh, he's he. It's not 100% clear the extent of the shoulder injury. My bigger concern for the Steelers, including Juju, is that Uh, Mason Rudolph had like 170 or so yards in this game but like 115 of them were on two throws one of which was a (laughs) lot of yards after the catch for Juju so my bigger issue is just this does not seem like a great passing offense right now so
1: not in love with the Steelers all, all but two of Rudolph's completions those two completions were the only ones that were like past five yards so yeah it was definitely an ease him into the uh, into the passing game kind of game, and we'll see how quickly that ramps up going forward, if at, if at all.
0: All right, now we're going to talk about guys who are going to be eased back. This is on the men, guys who are returning, maybe uh,
1: potentially. Yeah.
0: Alshon Jeffrey on the Eagles. The Eagles are banged up. Their receiving core is banged up. Deshaun Jackson has an abdominal abdom- I cannot speak English today. Abdominal injury. He's definitely not playing this week. He's probably not coming back for two or three weeks. But Alshon Jeffrey is possibly coming back. Head coach Doug Peterson said he was optimistic. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Deshaun and Jeffrey have different skill sets. Jeffrey's like a big physical guy on the outside. Deshaun's really fast. Um, Ertz is their ne- real number one receiver. But Dika, how do you feel about Nelson Aguilar um, if Jeffrey does come back? Because Aguilar's been playing excellent from a fantasy perspective, even though Eagles <laughs> fans. Can we get the drop of the guy saying that he caught the baby? And is assisting people down, my man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching him, unlike Aguilar and his mishaps. I like to put that out there. <laughs>
1: that was so that good, That was man. amazing. That was incredible. <laughs> um, the look he gives you at the camera, too. Unbelievable. Is perfect. But anyway,
0: Aguilar's been good for fantasy. So how how do you feel about Aguilar if uh, Jeffrey comes back, DK?
1: I mean, it downgrades him a little bit. And Agu- Aguilar is, every week, it's like a roller coaster. You, if I Like I was watching you know, Eagles Twitter during the, I think first half and he had a drop and a lost fumble and everyone's just like pissed off at him. Um, And then of course he comes back and has two touchdowns in the game. And, you know, it's just like a microcosm for like every game that he plays. Like we remember the last week too, when he dropped the sure touchdown, then caught a, caught like a hail Mary pass later that almost set them up to, to win that game. So I don't know. I, He's getting the volume, and I think even if, if Jeffrey comes back, he'll continue to be a big part of that passing offense, but just not quite as big as he has been, obviously, with those guys out. I mean, you know, uh, our Sega Whiteside was not a factor on Sunday. Um, he was still kind of like the go-to guy in that offense outside of Ertz, and I think... I think they're really looking forward to getting getting Jeffrey back and get some consistency in that passing game, but he's still probably going to, you know, he's still worth like a flex option I would bet. And, um talk uh, about Aguilar.
2: Keep note that they are playing Thursday against the Packers, so you're going to have to decide if you want to start him sooner than later.
1: The other thing is like the Packers defense has been really good. One of the three best
0: in the league really. Uh more importantly, uh if you had a have a member of the Philadelphia Eagles catch your baby, which would it be, DK? <laughs> Ertz for sure. It has to be Zach Ertz. Right? <laughs> it has to be. He's so big. Is it a hundred? Yeah. Is it Zach Ertz or is it Darren Sproles?
1: No, Sproles. It, he's no. the size of a baby.
0: I, I didn't ask you. You're not a father. You don't understand
2: what the responsibility gonna, is. I,
1: yeah, I don't like playing this game. First of all, um, but I would probably say it's not a game. It's your child's <laughs> life.
2: This is a hypothetical. Yeah, exa- <laughs>
1: Take it this seriously. This is an extremely difficult question to ask. I've never been asked this question well, before. We're going
0: to so. take a quick break, and when we come back, you're going to give us an answer. But Just first,
1: paralyzed in fear. Well, you what- got to
0: make a decision, DK. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and I want an answer when we're back. Have you ever had to miss a football game because you could not get somewhere to watch it? I have. I know, actually, a fun fact, Our one of our The Chief, Craig Gaines, missed one of the biggest Michigan State football games while he was a student there because he was um, passed out. Oh, I thought you were going to say studying. No, 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 not studying. Craig's a big studier. But that never has to happen again with TuneIn. Your all-in-one audio app for live sports, news, music, and podcasts. With TuneIn Premium, you can listen to live and on-demand coverage of every single game of the NFL season. And that's just the beginning. TuneIn also gives you access to every live MLB, NBA, and NHL game, not to mention all your favorite college football teams. TuneIn doesn't just have sports either. You also get 24-hour news from all the major outlets, over a hundred exclusive music channels, and all of your top podcasts, especially the Ringer NFL show and all the other Ringer podcasts. And for a limited time, go to TuneIn.com/RingerNFL to get TuneIn Premium for 50% off. That is TuneIn.com/RingerNFL. Take live sports, music, news, and podcasts wherever you go with TuneIn. And while we're here, let's talk about the holidays. It might seem crazy early, but that time of year is creeping up and you don't wanna go through another holiday season taking closed mouth photos while everyone else is grinning ear to ear, do you? Getting a photo ready smile starts now and it's easier than ever with clear aligners from Candid. Candid's aligners can help straighten your teeth faster than traditional wire braces. Treatment takes just six months on average. First, an experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan. Then they show you a 3D preview so you can show how your teeth will look when it's finished. And Candid ships your aligners directly to you. These aligners are comfortable, removable, and completely invisible. And they cost 65% less than braces. Plus, with each aligner purchased, Candid donates $25 to Smile Train, which brings safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children worldwide. Get your photo-ready smile by the holidays. Go to candidco.com slash ringer NFL and use code ringerNFL to get $75 off. That's a candidco.com. C-A-N-D-I-D-C-O.com slash ringerNFL. Code ringer NFL for $75 off. CandidCo.com slash ringer NFL. Code ringerNFL. All right, DK, you've had a few minutes. What <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles catching your child?
1: Uh, I've decided it's going to be Zach Ertz. I did some research uh, during the <laughs> break. Research? And yeah, he had, let's see here. His, his drop rate, according to PFF, <laughs> He's like the is 4.9% in 2018. He dropped six passes on 122 catchable balls. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, I don't really love the idea of those six misses, but uh, his drop rate is good. 95%? This,
0: that's a good confidence interval.
1: I mean, yeah, I'd love it if it was 100%, but uh, Zach Ertz last year, or sorry, this year, one drop on 18 catchable passes, 5.6% drop rate. So again, 95%-ish catch rate, which is very good. So yeah, I'm going to go with Ertz, final answer.
0: When my grandmother gave birth to my mother, she didn't know how to hold the baby, and then they said, like a football, and she was like, oh, so I feel like it's actually really similar to catch babies <laughs> in footballs. Uh, don't want to find out, though. But
1: They are right. oblong-shaped, yes.
0: <laughs> oblong, wow. Uh <laughs> Jeez. All right, let's just dive into our categories for the week. Our first one, my favorite one, deceiving yards. Uh, guys who are fool's gold. I can't speak English Or are today. they? Fool's yeah. gold. Are they? Are we buying them? Who knows? This is the John Ross category. But first, DK, who's your, who's your deceiving yards of the week?
1: <laughs> so, Tony Pollard of the Cowboys, he totaled 128 yards and, and a touchdown on 16 touches this week against the Dolphins. Um, I have no idea if this is like a garbage time thing just against a bad team or if Dallas is going to get him more involved. I, I lean towards the for I, I lean towards the latter. I think or sorry, I lean towards the former. I think it was probably just garbage time situation and he's not going to be like a major guy week to week. But at the same time, I mean, he looks so good. He's like so smooth that it wouldn't surprise me if down the line they get him more involved. they get him, Um, you know, maybe he's like running routes out of slot while he's on the field with Zeke at the same time. Actually, he said after the game, um, that I think it's going to happen being him and Zeke on the same on the field at the same time. He goes, it's a little too early in the season. We've got a little something now that we haven't really used much, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot more coming. A lot of time players say that all the time, and we always hear that. But I don't know. The Cowboys said they want to use him like Alvin Kamara before the season. And the Chiefs also said that about
0: Darwin Thompson. Haven't used him. The Rams said right, that about Daryl right. Henderson. Haven't used him. Is there a chance the Cowboys do roll him out along with Zeke? Yes. I am dubious. I Yeah. yeah. I, this was yeah. the Dolphins. This was That's more fair. about them being a bad team. Um, deceiving yards. People I felt deceived by. Will Your boy, Will <laughs> Disley, a tight end for the Seahawks. Yeah. Six catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. I've never seen a box score lie more. That touchdown came on an untimed down on the last play of the game when they weren't the, even possible yeah. to win. It was literally the most pointless play.
1: Kind of <laughs> pathetic. Garbagiest garbage-time play. Get ever. out of here. Yeah.
0: Um, he Per Jared Smola, he's run a route on just 54% of his snaps and then 46% of Russell Wilson's dropbacks in the last two games. Uh,
1: yeah, so he's only running. The, he's only running a route on about half his snaps. That's not good necessarily for the passing game. It's not good for consistency, especially in the Seahawks' offense, which is really low volume passing anyway. You
0: know what else isn't good for consistency? Untimed downs for your touchdowns at the <laughs> end of football games. The other tight end I didn't love uh, for con- like a repeatable performance this week. Jordan Ryan. Aikens on the Texans: three catches, seventy-three yards, and two touchdowns. Houston had four t- touchdowns to tight ends last year, and then there were two on Sunday. In fact. He had Darren never... Fels
1: had one too, right? Sorry? I think Darren Fells had one as well. Yeah, I'm so gonna...
0: was, uh, well, you're right. So two for Jordan and then one for Fels. So <laughs> Houston's not a team that targets tight ends in general. This was, in fact, this yeah. was the first game of Jordan Aiken's career where he had more than two catches. And he'd never caught a touchdown before. So this was the first, yeah. he, these were his first two career touchdowns. So. The best fantasy performance he had before that was two catches for 42 yards. He is a, a, a young player, so it's not like this would be the first time a tight end was broke out like after we'd given up on him. But tight ends so thin at the end, I'm not going to be like completely ignore him, but I am far more willing to roll with like these other previous like 18 or 20 games than just this. So I'm, I'm very hesitant to chase chase that like sorting by last week points in the waiver wire, and you might just get three points. So
1: be careful. I'm wi- I'm, I'm with you on that. It is interesting to me though that so tight ends in that game got eight catches for over a hundred yards and three touchdowns between Fells and Aiken. So something to something to monitor. I, I don't necessarily. I agree with you though. I, I don't, more I just the Chargers. I wouldn't line, count on it. But
0: the Chargers linebackers are a little banged up. I'd like to see that against a different team. Uh, real quick, yeah. Craig. Speaking of tight ends,
2: yeah, I think we were all deceived by just whatever was going on with the Ravens tight end situation. Nick Boyle and. Hayden Hurst got way more involved than we thought. After Mark Andrews' huge start, he only had three catches for 15 yards, and Nick Boyle had four catches for 58, and Hayden Hurst had two catches for 14. But what was bizarre was that Nick Boyle played 12 passing down snaps, yet led the (laughs) team in tight end um, stats, while Mark Andrews played 37 passing down snaps and Hayden Hurst 15. Lamar Jackson only completed 22 passes, and 10 of them Ten of them? Nine of them, I can do math, We're to tight ends. So it almost <laughs> seems like who, who, whichever tight end is on the field Lamar Jackson throws to, it almost doesn't matter which one. But right now, Mark Andrews is the one playing the most, so don't panic, just because you see yeah. Nick Boyle's name this week. He
1: also had an injured foot. He did. And apparently that was limiting him a little bit in the game. Obviously, um, that's a factor. I, yeah, I would stick with Andrews. I think his, his breakout in the first two weeks was legit. Obviously, guys are not going to have massive games every single week. Um, And I think, like you said, uh, Jackson's passing share to tight ends is massive relative to like most quarterbacks in the league. So um, those guys are going to get targets in the game. And I think Andrews is still the top guy there. So,
0: yeah, Andrew, yeah, breaking news don't give up on Mark Andrews. Um, Not worried about Mark Andrews in our next category. Guys you're not supposed to worry about. Although, it's like a joke because it's like you're supposed to worry about the guys. Sorry if that hasn't been clear. I feel like that's an internet <laughs> joke. You are supposed to worry
2: about so, the guys. Yeah. Our audience is young and hip. I young think they and hip. Get it. Yeah.
0: Well, the people worrying about them are the starters because these guys are so, – you know what? Let's just – they get it. All right, DK. Who's, who's the guy you're not supposed to worry about? And by you, I mean D.D. D. Westbrook.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> DJ Chark of the Jaguars who – Came into the year sort of looking like the number two or three or maybe four option in that offense. He's kind of emerged as the number one for them. D.D. Westbrook was the guy that everyone was pretty excited about, including me, before the season. Um, And with Nick Foles gone, it kind of changed the complexion of their offense a little bit. Uh, But regardless, Chark has been the team's basic, like, you know, hit their de facto number one. He leads the team in receptions with 15. Air yards, 256. Receiving yards, 277. Touchdowns, three. He is second in targets to Westbrook and target share to Westbrook, uh, but Westbrook's ADOT, average depth of target on on passes is only 4.7 yards, whereas Chark's 14.2 yards. So he's getting the more valuable downfield looks. He's made the most of them. He's made some really incredible plays. In fact, um, former second rounder, six foot four with four four three speed. Uh, there's a lot to like there, and he's really kind of seemed to be breaking out. So. He's a guy kind of like Terry McLaurin that, you know, might have a little variability week to week, but is a big play threat and could find the touchdown in any given, on any given play, really. And so, um, to me, he's, he's a definite guy you want to add. He's only owned in 41% of leagues so far.
0: Yeah, I think it's simple. I mean, since Gardner Minshew came in, Chark has had the best rapport with him and uh, they have good chemistry. Yeah. And as we know, yeah. Craig, in the wise words of man, chemistry must be respected. Another chemistry guy, Preston Williams. Uh, your boy Devonte Parker, Craig, got to be worried about the main. Not supposed to worry about Preston Williams. Um, he's not worried. He's uh, he should be worried. Uh, Preston Williams only owned in three percent of leagues on Yahoo, but he's been which great, makes sense considering the Dolphins. Yeah, the Dolphins yes. suck. But he's had eleven targets and for seven catches and eighty-seven yards the first two weeks. But last week with Josh Rosen, he had twelve targets, so more than the first two combined. And twelve targets for four catches and sixty-eight yards. It's not amazing, but he's definitely Josh Rosen's favorite target. The Dolphins are going to be passing a ton because they're going to be playing so much garbage time. Garbage time still counts. It's not sexy, but I think he could be a good flex player when the bye weeks get heavier. I know that's like the most boring shit you could ever say on a fantasy football <laughs> anything. Oh, a sexy bye week flex pickup, but I think that's what he is. And yeah, Devontae Parker I mean, he had That's
1: it. He had one of his misses. Yeah, So he had 12 targets. One of those... Uh, missed targets was should have been a touchdown. He, I think straight. he didn't quite like he, he didn't hold on to it long enough for it to be a touchdown. But I think the production's gonna come with Williams.
2: Devontae Parker, get
0: worried. Craig, well <laughs> should not be worried. By not be worried, worried.
2: Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert should be worried about Jeff Wilson. <coughs> A.K.A. the new Matt Asiata, A.K.A. the <laughs> new vulture.
0: You? Jeff Wilson's talented. How per, dare you?
2: Per Retriever, Jeff Wilson is now tied for league lead in red zone opportunities with That's thirteen, incredible. with Philip Lindsay. Um, he's tied that. with both Lindsay and Mark Ingram in opportunities from inside the ten yard line and inside the five yard line. He had two touchdowns on Sunday. He's got four TDs on the year. He ruins people's fantasy days. Well, no, no, no.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I. I I don't like this characterization because you know who ruined Matt Breida and Raheem's uh, fantasy days? Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert ruined it because they turned the ball over like three times combined in the first like 20 minutes of this game. (laughs) So they ruined their own days by losing the football. Sorry that Jeff Wilson's talented enough to hold onto the ball. He ran
1: two-yard touchdowns. When did you become this passionate about Jeff Wilson? Look,
0: I
2: am passionate about, about being
0: accountable for your fumbles. That's what I'm accountable
2: if for. If that's true, <laughs> then you should be a huge Rashad Penny fan.
0: <laughs> wow, that would actually hurt. Wow. Jeez, wow. Chris Carson, slander. That would actually hurt my feelings. <laughs> All right, let's move on before I have to uh, cry. Um, now we're going to go into usage tracker, some interesting usage statistics. DK, this is your jam, so what's yeah. what's some usage you've been tracking, DK?
1: <sighs> the Vikings do not pass the football, and... It's not going to be something that I think happens all season long necessarily. I mean, they've jumped out to big early leads in two out of the three games they've played so far. But so far, they have 63 pass attempts in three games, which is dead last. Um, and obviously, that affects fantasy football, especially the passing passing game, pass catching uh, targets in that offense. I mean, I, we Diggs and Thielen were both highly drafted guys. Um, Thielen is, has ended up being the more valuable player in that offense. Uh, Diggs is basically an afterthought at this point. I mean, he's on pace for 32 catches this year, 538 yards and five touchdowns. Adam Thielen, meanwhile, per Scott Barrett, ranks eighth in target share, 28.8% of Kirk Cousins' targeted throws, and 74th in targets with just 15. So this, this offense right now is so focused and centered on uh, Dalvin Cook, who's looked amazing. That it just makes the receivers in this group, and they only have four receivers on their active roster at the moment. That was just makes them, yeah. It just makes them extremely risky plays, just because there's no volume right now in that offense, and in terms of the passing game. I mean, Cousins barely throwing the football. So, um, will that change going forward? Yeah, probably, because they're not. It's just game script dependent. But it's still, I think that's. It's like they really just want to focus on that run game and. Yeah, if you're if you're a Stefan Diggs fantasy manager, it's it's a tough position to be in right now.
2: So, you don't think these guys are buy-lows at all cuz you know, the Vikings have been a part of two blowouts kind of in the two first weeks. Right. Yeah, I mean there's n- Diggs is, I mean, if you can if you can get Diggs for Emmanuel Sanders, wouldn't you do that?
0: I think Diggs is a buy-low. I, I think that the issue is and this was one of the reasons I didn't love either Diggs or Thielen is that it's going to be they're not going to be passing enough It's like one for, or the other. It's going to be one or the other. And that just Diggs is eventually if you have an owner in your league who has Diggs who's just fed up with him, I would, rec- I mean, I'm down to trade for him, but I'm not giving, I don't think he's going to be awesome the rest of the way. He's better than he's been, but he's not someone I'm like, he's going to get back to last year or the last couple yeah. of years. I think he's somewhere yeah. in between. Um, similarly on that note, while we're just talking about trade value, uh, real quick, like, do you also think, do you guys think the Browns are buy lows? Because the Browns, I feel like their public perception right now is, may, might be across the whole season at rock bottom. And yeah. I wonder about Odell Beckham, who's like, you know, the 16th wide receiver. I wonder about Baker, who some people might be thinking about cutting. Like, I'm wondering if you would swoop in on any of those guys other than Nick Chubb, who I don't think anyone who has Nick Chubb wants right. to trade him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think so. He's still a I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't feel as strongly about him as like, and I'm talking about Odell Beckham, as like I did about Mike Evans last week, who completely went off. But I do think this Browns offense is going to get things figured out. I think that right now they're just they're not doing anything that they were doing last year in terms of the creativity, um, the motion pre-snap, the just the different things to make defenses like it just make a, a pain in the ass to defend them. They're just not doing any of that stuff. It's really strange. And I'm still sort of in the camp that believes Kitchen is going to Kitchens is going to
2: Start make that cooking. offense.
1: Yeah, like he's God. Yeah, exactly. But um so yes, I, I would say I, I would I would buy low on Beckham um i'm not as confident as i was about evans like i said but it, i think it is something that they're going to come around the offense is going to figure things out
0: hard to be confident in anything that called the draw on fourth and nine and the best excuse for that's probably you thought it was third yeah, and nine Jesus. and that's probably the best excuse you can make uh there was a question of whether todd monken who was tampa bay's offensive coordinator last year would take over play calling freddie kitchen said that that was not a consideration at this point in time although hmm. things can change quickly when they get bad um
2: I, I think you probably need another too, week before
0: I mean, Odell's owner wants to uh, completely cut bait. But I, I think plenty yeah. of Baker people are probably sick if they drafted him super high. Mm-hmm. Um, Sticking, or Going back to the usage tracker real quick, DK. Uh, yeah. Kerryon Johnson was someone a lot of people thought could be like a three-down feature back. Huge for fantasy. And then they went, they got C.J. Anderson and because they cut Theo Riddick, who's a pass-catching back. That was good. But they kept C.J. Anderson and the way they were right. using him suggested that maybe they're not going to make Karrion Johnson the feature back. Then they've cut C.J. Anderson. So what's the deal with yeah. Karrion Johnson right now in Detroit?
1: So Karrion played like a bell cow back on Sunday. I mean, he, he after averaging fifty 56% of the snaps in the first two weeks and 14 carries in the first two weeks of game, uh, he got 75% of the snaps in week three and carried the ball 20 times. Now, granted, he only picked up 36 yards on those 20 carries, which is not great, but he got... Six out of six red zone snaps and punched the ball in for a score in the second quarter. Um, per NFL.com's Graham Barfield, he handled 80% of the Lions' carries, 75% of the snaps, and ran 18 routes compared to Ty Johnson's six. So those are, like, dominant numbers in terms of volume that you want to see from a bell cow back. The question is, is that going to continue? Or are they going to try and get Ty Johnson more involved going forward? We'll see, but right now he's turning in the right direction. I think that makes him a target. When you say a trade target, like who are some
0: running backs that you'd rather have? Like we do a little name game right now and you say trade target. Oh, actually, you know what? This I'm going to be mean
1: Chris Carson or Carry on Johnson. Just let's just cut right to it. Carry on right now. I mean, just the way that Carson's put I I do think. I'm still willing to say that Carson is a buy low candidate just because Pete Carroll seems completely dedicated to him. Just the, the things that Carroll has said on the radio and in press conferences last couple of days is like they're going to stick with him, they're going to get him through this. He doesn't have a history of fumbling, but the fumbling issue is a real problem. Um, so you're basically there is betting history of
0: him fumbling though.
1: No, not really. Last year, he had three fumbles on like a whole bunch of carries. In college, he only had two. So, this, the three fumbles in four games is sort of an aberration compared to like his overall career. And Carroll even said something like, oh, each of these three fumbles were extraordinary punch outs by the defense. And so, like, he Carroll to me seems to be like sticking with Carson. That's, you know, that could be coach talk, but um, I, I still think Carson has a chance to kind of figure it out. Okay. I'm not Craig, super confident in that, but yeah.
2: Craig, you have a Rashad Penny hot take? It's not even it's not a hot take, it's just a <clears> it's <throat> a cold take. Rashad Penny's great. Oh, I thought you actually had a point to make. That's oh, that's okay. No
1: Penny, who is injured currently. He is
2: currently
0: injured, yes, but yeah. one day Pete Care will figure it out. Daniel <laughs> Jones or Rashad Penny more rushing yards the rest of twenty nineteen. <laughs> oh my god. Rashad Penny.
2: <laughs> you sure? <laughs> you want to make that bet? I kind of do, yeah. Okay, let's do Let, that.
1: Let's do that,
2: yeah. <laughs> okay, wait, I want to go back to that name game with Kerryon Johnson. Uh, James Conner.
0: This is another buy low, is, that, because James
2: Conner's like, I mean, knee God. injury and
0: might not even be in a good situation if he's healthy.
1: That is such a grim offer. Craig, you tell me what you think of that, because you're, you're a Steelers fan. Well, one one you're, key, key you're thing on buy lows it. in
0: general, though, it's, it's not just a buy low because the player's doing well. You need to find an owner who's like out on this guy. If they still yeah. believe in him, it doesn't mean anything. It's it's about he's the like, art of finding someone who's going to get better, but also the owner is like, screw this. He, so.
1: James Conner hasn't gained a hundred yards yet in three games. And and he's averaging two point nine yards a carry,
2: and he doesn't really look too dynamic when you watch him. I'm not really impressed at all. I mean, yeah. I, he's getting swarmed at the line, and it's gonna it, we're gonna have training wheels on Mason Rudolph. It, it's gonna be a slow build, but what sucks is if you're an owner of him. You can't get rid of him for anything. So you just have to hope. You just got to sit around hope.
1: Yeah. That's all
2: I have for James Conner. You know
0: who's been a a great first-round pick? Daniel Jones. (laughs) Unbelievable first-round pick. Uh, (laughs) Probably more rushing yards than James Conner the rest of the way. We'll have to see. Who knows? I'll take that one. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you guys for coming to me on this blessed day. Hope
1: you guys bask in the light of the Daniel Jones. <laughs> Congratulations, Danny. I'm happy for I, you, actually. This is really thanks, big man. for you.
2: Good job. I'm I, happy for you. I feel peace in my heart. The
1: Giants have had some rough goes of it in the last like, year plus, and uh, not a lot of super exciting things. So, uh, Did you hear He's,
2: he you. swore in the huddle to galvanize his team?
0: Look, I under—I like a bad boy. I like someone who's who's got like a mean streak. You know, I—I yeah. I, I know he used that expletive. Ugh. Um, I—I I hope he doesn't cuss often, but um, Jesus. You know, he, he's a leader who does what it needs to be done. I wish you did that to us before every podcast. <laughs> That'd be great. Should we have like a swear jar? And it's like every time <laughs> we swear, it's a hundred dollars off for DFS budget on Fridays. <laughs> We'll see. Daniel Joe's knocked it a hundred off already. All right. Thank you guys again. Thank you everyone for listening. We will be back on Friday.